when the sun rises I wake up and chase my dreams I won't regret when the sun sets Cause I live my life like I'm a beast This is the Sales Mall Podcast Your hosts, Jerry Hill and Ryan Reiser Talk about the sales game And always keep it real Oh man, it is, I can't believe it's already another week, especially because, I mean, it's Wednesday this week and we were up Monday morning doing it live. That was pretty we fun. Doing it. it was fun, man. That was awesome. Um, shout out to Josh Broad, man. That guy's a killer. He's deadly on messaging in a way that I could only ever aspire to be. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing to watch him work. Um, and take something and mold it and then put it into action. And then the thing that I thought was awesome about him was this is what really truly, truly separates the wheat from the chaff, mm. the true leaders from everyone else is he didn't just sit in his ivory tower and coach like, you know what, let me get in the trenches and, and do, do this like the ride along. I was awesome. Yeah. I don't know about you, but every time I run a test drive, a connect and sell test drive, I'm always looking out for the leaders that sit in and do versus the leaders that sit in and watch. Yeah. You know, that sense of conviction, that sense of I've got to lead by example. One of the great, great signals to me about worthy companies. Absolutely. And so that, I think one of the things that's interesting here and we can take from our learnings on Monday, uh, Frontline Warriors, is uh, this idea that you know, especially now if you're furloughed or um, maybe you're even, you know, you're not waiting anymore, you were laid off and you're looking for a new, new employment. Um, how, how to select opportunities where you're in a market representing a product or service or something, a mission that people actually care about or want, right? Uh, versus us all feeling like we're the best salespeople in the world and we can convince folks um, you know, to buy our product or service. What are your thoughts around that component, right? This idea that we could sell, you know, I could sell ice to Eskimos versus, well, great. Why wouldn't you just work for a company that offers something people want <laughs> and be a catalyst of, uh, or an evangelist of that, that particular um, product or service? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, <sighs> Different parts of my career, I've probably believed different things. You know, as a young pup straight out of college in my first first couple of jobs and stuff, you know, I thought I was the the, the difference maker, um, that I could sell sand to an Arab or ice to an Eskimo or whatever the analogy might be. Um, reality is so much of it is an overlay of process um, and then execution um, in order to create that sense of value not urgency because that's false and cheap, but urgency, value, whatever. You, you sort of said it the other day to me, you know, vitamins or painkillers. Um, it's, it's really interesting. When you work in the innovation economy, like you and me have done for the best part of our career, you're trying to create demand around things that people don't even know are problems which exist. Yep. Um, and that's probably the hardest gig in selling 
you know, that sort of zero revenue through to Series B, nothing harder than that. And that's where you and me have spent most of our time, effort, and energy. What does it teach you? What did it teach me? It teaches me that process is, is king. Prospecting fanatically is king. The ability to be hard in your in your thinking is king. But ultimately, you know, if somebody thinks of you in the, the, the nice to have column, it's going to be very difficult to shape them with that mindset. There will always be other things that are slightly more urgent, slightly more important. So yeah, it's, it's a tough one. How do you displace your ego in the face of lack of differentiation or whatever it might be, right? Yeah, anyway, I've been thinking long and hard about this this year, especially because, you know, we were talking about this kind of feeling of exhaustion working harder than ever um, to, to just kind of get there to, to, to the number. Uh, you know, I both started around the same time. We're both mm. likely to finish, you know, above quota. Oh. Yeah. Um, but, but it doesn't, shouldn't, shouldn't seem this hard, um, you know, at this stage of being in the mindset that we have around process. And, um, and it really gets me thinking about like, Hey, look, you can, you can have great process. You could be coachable. You can, you know, I'm not the best salesperson in the world, but I usually work my ass off and and working Mm. hard even isn't enough sometimes to, to get to where you want to be because at the end of the day, you know, even if you have a product or service that you believe in, um, if the market doesn't necessarily really, really just want something, it, it makes it that much, much more difficult. And, um, you know, and so there's this idea of, do you, do you actually, I mean, you can, and you can, you can, you know, be a great salesperson and, and move product, uh, where there may not necessarily be a tremendous amount of want, but when I was talking to I was talking to Noah about this, Noah Goldman, uh, a little bit, uh, Genius. and he's like, he's like Ryan, like, why do you work so damn hard? Like I was driving, he's like I was driving down a, uh, a neighborhood in New Jersey, and there's like this, you know, million dollar mansion, and it's like uh, somebody. It, this is actually one of my live feeds, and someone's like, hey, there's million dollar mansions in New Jersey, so it's kind of funny. Uh, but uh, he's like, you know, and I, I looked the taxes. guy, I looked the guy up, and and it's like. <laughs> you know, he owns car dealerships, right? It's like that guy moves cars, you know, people, people will always kind of want a car. Um, it's not difficult. You know, he's not trying to change or innovate, which is what you're talking about earlier. He's like, Hey, there's a market. People buy cars. Let me go give them cars. Um, is there, is there, uh, I mean, there's obviously a need for innovation and, 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 uh, and a lot of the audience that we, we have on, this show are, are all about kind of entrepreneurs go to market, et cetera. But <clears throat> is there a way to start to position ourselves or learn like we did in the ecology test drive around, Hey, we may think one thing, but as we start to talk to someone, is there a way to reposition mm. what we do in the lens of what people want versus what we think they want that might help move the needle a little bit more? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, go to market isn't a precise science in anybody's market, no matter how mature you are, because the dynamics of humans in that market change consistently and rapidly. And if, you, if you're if you not speaking to them at a, a cadence rate that they require you to, you're going to miss that, that change. 
you know, I can only think of about three or four companies that have ever managed to stay ahead of that. Salesforce is probably one. Here's the thing about Salesforce, massively mature company, shonky product dependent on who you speak to. Um, they've never really changed their narrative from day one. They've always been projecting value on the next mega trends. You know, when they started, it was zero cloud, zero software, right? Then it was yeah. cloud. Then it was the new shift to information, uh, internet of things, 5G, you know, all of the retail convergence stuff, penetrating new markets. Now they're moving up market into cloud, right? It, it's just fascinating that actually their narrative has never changed. They've just simply refreshed what they've always done, which is give people the ability to think and hunker down on a future state. Um, not enough companies do a grand job of that, even in commoditized markets. You know, um, you know, it's something we're probably a bit guilty of at Connect and Sell because actually what we don't do is drive cold calling. We enable transformation of go-to-market. And I don't think we do a good enough job of reframing our content and our language to help people understand that use case. Um, so it's something we're guilty of as a company that advocates for that sort of always be in your market all of the time kind of methodology. I think the other thing which is sort of interesting to me all of the time is just variability of human emotion, right? Like logical, rational market dominant leaders still lose out to no decision, fear, or they lose out to competitors who create a slightly different sort of quality of experience for them. So, I don't know, unless you're craft and you're making Heinz ketchup, like, how do you consistently stay out in front all of the time? And that's that's the hallmark of great consumer businesses is brand. We don't necessarily seem to identify with brand in quite the same way or update or refresh brand in quite the same way in B2B, SaaS or services. So, that's something I've been quite mindful about recently. Absolutely. Well, and, and I mean, and once you establish a brand, um, you know, that brand has a tremendous amount of power and can move into new markets a lot easier uh, with new positioning and, you know, new opportunities. But it does start with, you know, dominating in one specific segment. You know, if you're using mm -hmm. your, I don't know all of the history of, of Salesforce, but, you know, Salesforce example was to go in and, and dominate this outdated, clunky ass you know, ERP, CRM, on-premise market, right? Um, Three years and, of value, right? CD-ROMs to update software. Yeah, and, and so they, you know, yeah. and they nailed that. They nailed that. Then they became a market-dominant leader. I mean, they're they're definitely the dominant player in CRM. Right? Yeah. They're 800. And then so that allows them to, to move and do those things um, until you are a dominant player, you know, in a market, the number one, it's difficult to make those those moves because you are constantly battling um, uh, to, to, to to even win business in your swim lane, right? So how do you how do you get ahead of things when you're not even, you know, winning as many as you can? Um, so you mentioned right, uh, Heinz and. <laughs> Like, how, how do you get there? Well, you become a, you know, you, you become a, a market leader in, in something um, and you establish a brand that you're known for, because once you have that brand, the other things become a little easier. Hey, uh, I'm thinking of this. You can test messaging, you can earn conversations faster. And I, I'm actually starting to think, you know, especially getting back to the ecology, right? How quickly can you shift and take action on movements in a market if you're, 
if you're if you can earn conversations with the yeah. with the highest levels easily. The difference between calling for Salesforce and saying, "Hey, this is Ryan at Salesforce," and getting from someone saying, "Sure, what's up, Ryan? How can I help you?" versus, yeah. "Huh? Who are you?" Oh. Well, so that changes your it changes the dynamic. Yeah. In our ability to actually get to the next level, you know, and test messaging and get feedback yeah. and gather information and build awareness of a new product or service. And so that's one thing, brand. Mm. It actually informs the thing we're talking about, which is like, how do you get to something people want? And that starts with conversation, right? So how do I earn conversations with the right people? It's really fucking hard at first, right? No one knows you. You have to do the heavy ass work, lifting weights, do it. Not only just to get the damn person to pick up, but to get them to listen past, who are you? What is this about? Sorry, what? Versus, <laughs> yeah, sure. How can I help? You know, can I get through yeah. and have a conversation that's longer than a few seconds and longer than waiting for them to, their moment of time to tell you no and hang up? Yeah, I mean, it's... um it's hard you know there's there's that old meme of, of what startups are like what scale-ups are like and there's just that person pushing the boulder uphill right just pushing the boulder uphill but that's because nobody's sort of taking a scientific approach to it here's my big diatribe having been around a lot of startups startups invest a huge amount of money into their product cycle I mean, they put a lot of money and effort and time and attention into their product cycle, assuming product market fit. But what they're not doing is they're not grabbing opportunity and market by speaking to market quickly enough, which is cheaper. It's talking to your market. All right, it's always cheaper than building stack. And, um, you know, my frustration is that people probably aren't speaking to their market at a senior enough level with inside those companies to determine viability. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, with the right utilization of a conversation first approach, you could potentially kill your business idea, but you kill it, could kill it for 10 grand, not for a million. Yeah. And that Delta people just can't seem to rationalize it. And again, it comes back to human emotion. I'm attached to my idea. My best buddies think it's a great idea. I've spoken to one or two people in the addressable market that I've got a hypothesis for who thinks it's a reasonable idea. So I'm just going to go and build that. You know, if I ever do another startup, I'm probably just going to build vaporware and just speak to everybody and then figure it out from there. Kind of like we did with Dennis on Monday. Well, that's exactly it, right? Like, and so that's something that, you know, Sean Cease and I have been ideating for quite some time. We, we used to have this concept of quick start at the sales developers. And now we're, we're you know, we're, we're, we've been talking about this idea of like, he used to always say, Hey, let's, let's run this, let's run this right into the side of the mountain, or maybe we can take it to the moon. But like, why are we waiting? Why are we, why are we trying to create programs that, you know, look and feel like what's not working, right? Mm -hmm. What's not working is hiring a rep to do a thousand dials to talk to maybe 20 people a month to have a couple meetings. It's, that doesn't work. It's super expensive. What if you could, what if you could, talk to a hundred people in one week, or I don't know how many we talked to on Monday, but something like that in a day. And then not only do the conversations, but put leadership behind it and come with a hypothesis, 
think strategically around that. Come, come build, build, build a list, you know, validate that. So you can get some really good conversations, go out and spend a day really having those conversations and having everyone who needs to listen in, listen in on those conversations and make some slight adjustments and see if we can get somewhere closer to where we need to be. Take that thing to the side of the mountain, or maybe we have something that we can then roll out and, and start to start to scale up. Weaponize. And, and that might be several iterations, right? Day one is one thing. We learn something. We make, you know, we make a slight adjustment. We come back and do it again. Make a slight adjustment. Come, come back and do it again. And, you know, in our test drive, we had a lot of connects, but we probably only had maybe twenty percent of those were meaningful. were decent, meaningful, yeah. real conversations. So, so my whole thing, and and Bill talked about this before, is and there's a there's an old statistical model that. I think it's relevant enough. It, it, it's been disproven, but the, like a sampling, a sampling model for um, like uh, manufacturing is you take the, the square root of, of a batch, right? Uh, for sampling purposes to say, Hey, that's like statistically relevant. So, so in the case of this piece, you, you take the square root of your, your TAM. So say, say in your, you know, ideation phase, say, Hey, we, we have 10 in SAS, right? 10,000 customers paying you, uh, $10,000 a year is hundred million dollar business, right? Yeah. Uh, hundred million a year. So we need 10,000. So square root of 10,000 is a hundred, right? Is that right? A thousand. Mm-hmm. Huh? No, no, you are right. Yeah, you are right. So go talk to a hundred people, right? Uh, go talk to a hundred, like real meaningful conversations, not connects and hangups, but yeah. can I get it? Can I get into a decent amount, you know, I got through my pitch. I got a little bit of feedback. I got some information. I got a because a reason. Um, and I get to the yes, no's not me, not now is that I'm tracking yep. open rejection pitch. Yep. Oh, it's funny. I have this here now is I like that mindset in 20 business days, one month, you could do what most companies do and die over three, four years. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I don't think people sort of see it as do or die because the state is closed constantly in, in front of them. So they don't know what it is that they want to land on a lot of the time. And it, and it comes back to something else Bill talks about in, t- in terms of companies, it's sort of parasites and politics. And, you know, the bigger the company gets, um, you start to fight that internal inertia as much as you start to fight your market dominance or your adjacent market dominance. So, you know, I think the, the most genius thing that I saw on Monday was the ability to use conversation dispositions to see how far into a conversation you can get with the prospect and where the waterfall of failure is across four frankly very competent people right so you're not running these gtms for testing experiments with your worst you're running them with some of your best you're running them with the people that can oh, find the best the best trailblaze and that can oh. pivot and still hold water and value for the person that you're speaking to I think that's essential. So it's CEO work ultimately for small companies and SMEs and scale-ups. This isn't the work of, of your, your troops. This is the work of the general. Has well, I guess be. it's cheaper it, to it, just it, go and engage Gartner to do the survey for you and write a white paper, right? Well, you know, but I mean, I think what are, what are the ingredients? What are the ingredients to make yeah. something like that successful? And I, and I don't, I mean, I think we got stage one of success. I would like to see if you take ecology, we take that and we go yeah. do it. We go do it. So we got a pretty good idea of how to open, right? We, we yeah. move from client positive to this like nagging. Uh, I can't even remember yeah. the word. You know, the, the, whatever the nagging feeling was. in the, the pit. No, no, the dent, the dent. No, no, the dent. That just was it. Dent. Yeah. 
reduce the debt, right? Like, and that took a while to eke out. We did a, yeah. we did a workshop ahead of time. So what does this take? It takes the frontline go-to-market leader, right? Yep. The guy that's supposed to function. That person needs to be involved and making the calls, not not listening, no. doing it alongside Do it. a team, but doing it alongside a team of troops. You need to have a couple of troops like you. We played we played the surrogate of uh, yeah. people that like reps. Like we're we're they're fresh new hires, but we're getting up yeah. to speed quickly, right? Day one, we're on the phones and we're learning. Okay, next to the sales leader, and then you you need a competent and and just like. I don't know. Like you need a Josh Braun. You need someone who can listen, adapt, make changes, and coach, coach. Even and, and that isn't the sales leader. It's not the person, right? Yeah. This is that that triangle effect. Who uh, you can role play and practice, but get some feedback. Who's also willing to get in there and try things. And then, um, and then finally, you need you need you need kind of that operational enablement, right? Lists technology orchestration just making it super fucking simple for that team to go out and get it done so you know you're you know a good 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 list you're not putting that on them to build you, you got the no. you got the framework of it but it's built for them done for them because the hours that it takes to get something like that done can be you know nailed but um the list is the strategy and you need someone who's actually orchestrating that val human validating that shit we didn't have a perfect list there there was still some kind of misses around like employee size would have yeah. been a dip, like some of those conversations were off, right? That stuff should be eliminated as much as you can so that when we're sitting down, the mm. conversations, the conversations with the people we want to talk with and, you know, and within a, a month of that and maybe four, four or five sessions, first getting the intro, second, getting the pitch down, right? Like the actual reason, yeah. third being the actual ask, what are we trying to get out of this? And then fourth session, finally, being able to really work through those yeah. objections, right? That, that's kind of the, the, the flight school methodology we have at, at Connect and Sell. You could do that in about four or five real structured business days and maybe 20 total you know, working days. Yeah. Uh, you got, you've got all of that, and you could do that and change your go-to-market in a, in a matter of, 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 of weeks, not, not quarters or years. Um, but why does everyone want to shortcut that stuff? Why does everyone want to get to the quick wins? Why do we always care? You know, one of the things that did come out of that too is like, oh man, I really wish I got a meeting. It doesn't matter. Like that, that, that doesn't matter that in that really day. Doesn't matter, yeah. Th that was not the intention of the exercise. The exercise was, do we have a message so we have a target and a message that is going to care. And then if we can solve for that, then we move to the next things, right, along yeah. the way. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know why people don't care. I do know why people don't care about it because it just feels a bit hard. You know, emotionally it feels a bit hard. And um, anytime anything feels a bit hard you're always facing an uphill battle. Um, what they don't seem to realize is that that short-term endurance race that they make in that commitment at the top of a program, the easier everything else becomes. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my best ever mentors always used to teach me, do the hardest part of your day first. Swallow the frog. Eat Swallow the frog, the frog baby. Whatever the, Eat yeah. the elephant, whatever, right? Yeah. Just yeah. do the hard stuff first. The best people in the world do that. 
in anything, in any walk of life. The best people in the world are just willing to embrace the boredom, do the hard stuff. You know, I, I had a coaching call yesterday with a good friend of mine, Gareth, who's who's really struggling to design what his business could be. And we sat down and we talked and we talked and we talked. And I kind of ran him through Josh's process, which is what's the problem statement? You know, who who's involved? Why are they involved? Who are they? What do they look like? How old are they? You know, what do they do every day that accrues this sense of frustration? We broke through. Now we've got a message for this guy to test, right? But nobody actually expects themselves to be able to answer those questions without overcomplicating it. Human nature is to, to leap to complexity, not simplicity. And oh, yeah. One of the reasons why projects like this fail, and it's something I have to keep teaching myself again because I love going super complex. My oh, yeah. Loves it. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, like having to reteach myself almost every day, keep it simple, stupid, keep it simple, stupid, keep it simple, stupid. It's tough. I mean, that, that exercise, and that's why someone like, you know, someone like Josh who can really push back and cut down the message and, and, and simplify the words yeah. and phrases and sentences and the idea that words matter in this exercise as well. Like um, but man, tar target, target message, target message uh, are huge. And then, you know, how do you now adopt your go-to-market to from something you thought people wanted to something they actually may want, may want. Um, and that one small shift, um, you know, targeting emotion or desire <laughs> that, uh, that is not coming from mm. you, but from, from the market is, 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 is massive. So. Do you know what my most memorable advert stands out for me throughout my 40 years on the planet? I still love the advert with the fella on the white horse advertising black old spice on the beach and then one second later he's on this yacht with really hot ladies the next second he's you know rescuing somebody from you know being an absolute hero all right it sticks with me because old spice could potentially give me those things right <laughs> um so baking in two components firmographic psychographic technographic with a venn diagram with the problem center where you can eliminate the problem the pain and make it desirable that's the genius of, of executing a go-to-market really well mm -hmm. how do you make it desirable why do we have billion dollar unicorns in email automation they're making easy work easier mm -hmm. as a human that appeals to my inherent laziness. Yep. So they're always going to be the glamour boys. They're always going to do the hard work for you, and they're going to make you feel like you're, you're supercharging yourself, and you're not. Um, yeah, it's just interesting. But I don't think enough people sit down and go, well, how can I drive the application of this to ensure that I have the most resilient, robust, defensible, market signals into whether or not my proposition product service or idea has got the capacity to go out and solve problems for 10% of the total addressable market that I operate in right now. And then run that experiment again to see who else can it help in a year's time, two years time, three years time and solve for the timing issue so that they can become dynamic throughout that cycle. That's how I would synthesize all of what we've been talking about. I think it's an exercise you should be doing once a quarter, right? 
Let's go refresh. Who are are our best customers now? What can we learn from them? Why are they here today? Because things change quickly. Well, yeah. I mean, what was it Josh said on Monday, 45 days? Any of your newest customers beyond that point on a jobs to be done interview or an analysis of why they bought you, they start to become irrelevant. Yeah. So then it's, then it's, then you're running that every, every cohort. I mean, I don't know what your sales cycle looks like or what, you know, how quickly you're bringing on business, but um, when you can get that information and, uh, and it's relevant enough with a, with a cohort of relevance yeah. to, to say, now you're doing the jobs to be done every within 45 days, but yeah. stack that up, yeah. stack that up. I think you run an exercise like that based on the themes, as he said, right? There's themes yeah. that come out of this, you run it again. Like, how can we continue to improve our message? Because those little mess, those little changes on not them, not this, this from a target perspective are going to have you know, yep. mul- multiplicative impacts on your conversion rates. Not, not just, not just, I mean, we're talking exponential changes. Um, and that's because you're going to be not just having a better first rate connection rate. You're going to have better show rates, right? Your message is going to stick. You're going to have better, <laughs> you know, opportunity uh, sales accepted rates because they're good fits and you're going to have better close rates. And ultimately you're going to have much higher LTV, right? Can, you know, renewal rates, all of those things have multiplicative exponential impact on the enterprise value of your business um, and sanity for your reps at the front lines. It's so much easier when you hit the, someone on the phone and you deliver that first sentence and it's like, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, that's that sounds great. I'm really excited because this quarter I'm 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 starting it in the next sort of day or so. But you know I've got a hypothesis for Connect and Sell, which is to future proof the health of of go to markets in the information services industry to companies that write reports, deliver consultancy, research, and advisory. All right. Um, reason why I think about it, I did an analysis of some of our biggest and best customers that we've brought on board this year and in the past five years. Mm-hmm. It seems that we've got a density of businesses in that segment, but we've never sort of structured that holistically and decided that the remainder of the segment is worthy of pursuit. So do we have, do know. we have any, do we have any recent customers in that segment that you can yeah. do the jobs, jobs to be done? Yeah, absolutely. Are, are, Three. Are, are you getting those set up? I'm getting those set up right now. That would be an awesome exercise to try yeah. to yeah. work. I'm through. getting those set up right now. Right. We, we, we're building list on, you know, the top 250 information services companies by market cap right now. And we're, we're going to, we're going to run that. We're going to see how it goes. You see, see that one list right there is enough for you to prospect into though, for at least a quarter. And it's yeah. only 200 accounts. Yeah. Uh, Cause you probably want to talk to the CEO and the mm-hmm. revenue leader. That's it. Two people, 400, yeah. you got 400 people you need to talk to. It's maybe, maybe your... a thesis on enablement, but we'll see. Yeah. I love it. Well, let's, uh, let's land the plane here this week. Yeah. Uh, we should be bringing on a guest in the next, uh, session or so. Yeah. Um, keep at it across the pond. Had a lot of fun on Monday. I can't believe it's yeah, only it Wednesday. Awesome, feels like that was weeks was ago, awesome. but, uh, Right. We'll, uh, we'll right, I'm about to live. go back to a German test drive, which we're running today. So, well, good luck, brother. Yeah. All right, man. Speak to you soon. Always Cheers. good. Bye-bye.